I would like to greet the Church of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yo. Ntandu kuni bingelela lonke nekamaleka Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, I'm honored to be to be here. The first time I came here, ngainza e afternoon service. I remember very well. Uh, and my other friend did the, the divine service. So it's quite an honor to be back again. Uh, this time around doing in a divine service. Um, our message today is going to be coming from the book of Jonah. So let us all turn our Bibles to uh, Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, if you are there, please just say Amen. Jonah chapter 1. And just a disclaimer. So there's uh, a story is told of, uh, of one preacher was invited to speak at, uh, at some church. So they invited him first time around. He preached, he preached, and it was okay. I'm invited foot now the, the second time to come and preach again. And he preached exactly the same sermon, exactly the same message that he preached the first time. And then uh, they thought maybe there was some you know, mistake or... Maybe he forgot that he once preached here before. But we invite a fool to the third time once again, and he preached exactly the same sermon that he had been preaching. And Bazibambuza Manju, can't wait, what's going on? And then he's like, you know, no matter how much we preach the same and the same message, you know, God's word will never be old. And it should always, each and every time, in a different way, we should understand it differently and better each and every time that it's preached. Amen. All right, so our, our, our reading is coming from Jonah chapter 1. I will read in your hearing. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for, thy, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tashish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4, but the, but the Lord held a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his own God. And they threw the waves that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had gone and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call upon your God. Perhaps the God, uh, perhaps your God will give a thought to us that we do not perish. And they say to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell upon Jonah. Then they say to him, Tell us, on whose account has this evil come upon us? What is your occupation, and whence do you come? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, 
What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they say to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be quiet, uh, may be quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Take me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried to the Lord, We beseech thee, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done it as it pleased thee. For they so they took up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a great sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Amen. Amen. So now, the title of um, our short talk this, uh, this morning is Arise and Go. Arise and Go. Just to check if people are still, working, uh, are still awake, please just turn to your neighbor and say, Arise and Go. Arise and go. It's okay. I think we're still all in check. Um, so, uh, the story of Jonah, it's a very, very interesting, uh, interesting uh, story for me. So, in, in, in verse 1, uh, at the beginning of the chapter, um, Jonah receives the word that he should, what? He should go and preach uh, to the great city of, uh, of Nineveh because there was now so much sin in that land. And I think just from the onset, we see how much God always, uh, is always willing to give us that second chance before he can, you know, uh, right from the time of Noah. You know, there was so much sin in that time, and before he can destroy the people, okay, before he can destroy sin, rather, he gives them a chance to repent. Noah preached for around about how many days? 120 days, and there's people in Jehati. The word is not going in. Um, and once again, now we find a similar scenario. Jonah is now sent to this great city uh, uh, of Nineveh to go and preach uh, to the people there. Um, so now, just uh, just a bit of just a bit of e background, because um, I know people are so quick to judge Mutau, but Jonah. I mean, you could have just gone preach, come back. It wasn't a big deal. But just give a, a bit of background and context to the re- actual reason why Jonah didn't want to go and preach. Uh, to this great city of Nineveh. So the king at that time, according to the research that I did, was King um, Ashinaspal II. So, um, if you forgive me, English is not, uh, it's not my mother. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was the king at that time, and this king was known to be probably the most ruthless and most evil king at that time. So According to his uh, monument inscription, while recalling um, some massacre that happened at some time, he says, um, There are men, young and old, I took uh, prisoners. Of some, I cut off their feet and hands. Of others, I cut off the ears, noses, and lips of the young men's ears. Of the ma- oh, sorry. Of others, I cut off the ears, noses, and lips. Of the young men's ears, I made a hip. And of the old man's heads, I made a minaret. Minaret, I, I'm not sure. And then I exposed their heads as a trophy in front of their city. 
the male children and the female children I burned in flames. I burned in flames. The city I destroyed and consumed with fire. So now, this was the king who was uh, there at that time. And this, uh, he was known to be very ruthless. You know, he would skin his, uh, his enemies after war and bribe them, apparently, and according to uh, some of the research that I, I did on this king. So we can therefore establish the actual reason why Ujona didn't want to go. Jonah just wasn't this hard-headed uh, young man who didn't want to do God's work. But there was uh, something that was going on in that city that he was probably afraid of. And that's probably the reason why he didn't want to go to, uh, to Nineveh to preach. Now, um, so, verse 3. Um, but Jonah rose uh, to Tashish, rose to flee to Tashish from the presence of the Lord, and then he went down to Joppa, and then he found a ship, and yeah, he got in. So now, just uh, from, from verse 3, I noticed something very, that I think is very interesting. So, sin, or rather just doing the wrong thing, is first of all, it's expensive, and it's time-consuming. And you need to have so much dedication and, um, uh, and you need to put in a lot of work to do. So what do I mean by that? So, um, for example, if, uh, if you're cheating in an exam, it's a lot of work. I mean, sin is expensive. Probably you need to now pay someone to help you with answers or you need to help your friend. And now there's so much risk and there's so much hard work that is put in, whereas compared to just doing the right thing. So here's Jonah now. The right thing, obviously, was to just arise and go to, and go away to Nineveh. But instead, he decides to go to Joppa, even get... So I'm not too sure uh, about the distance, uh, but apparently it was three, uh, three days and three nights uh, distance between the two. And I'm not too sure which one was closer, but I would like to believe Tashish was actually further, because since if you're running away from someone, you need to be at least going further from them uh, or further from where you're supposed to go. So he probably incurred more expenses. So he paid a fee to, to go into this, uh, into this ship and to go uh, to Tashish as he wanted to go. And he probably incurred a lot of expenses in that, whereas he could have just what, done the right thing and go to uh, Nineveh. And it's also, also time-consuming. The journey to Tashish was probably uh, longer than the, the journey to, uh, to Nineveh where he was supposed to go. And it requires a lot of what, hard work and dedication, like I've already said. So aside all that, Ujona, um, decided to flee from the presence of the Lord. Now, uh, verse 4, he's now in the ship. They're now sailing um, and going towards Nineveh. But the Lord held a great uh, wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Um, you forgive my vision. This is the revised standard vision. I had in the morning people were talking about visions that are processed. I'm not too sure how much processed this one is. Um, but this is the one I'm using. So uh, there arises now a great wind uh, in the sea as they are going. And I'd like to just suggest this morning that, you know, perchance the certain winds that are going on in your life, it could be that maybe there's just that one Seventh-day Adventist who's not doing the right thing, and that's the reason why there's so much storms and there's so much winds in your life. Um, verse 5. All the sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God, and they threw... Uh, the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone uh, below the deck where he laid, lay, uh, lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So now, Jonah is running away from the presence of the Lord. And knowing very well that this is a God who, according to Psalms 121 verse 4, is indeed he who watches over Israel who neither sleep nor slumber. So he's running away from a God who neither sleeps or slumbers and he decides to just fall asleep in that ship. 
and then there is this wind, and uh, all the sailors were afraid and cried out. And we just see how much, you know, humans were so scared of, uh, of dying. Um, these people are panicking, and they don't know what to do. And also something very interesting from, uh, from verse 5. Um, you know, the, the, the ones or the people that we think are not believers, actually, the ones who are probably not sleeping, and they are praying the whole night. So here is Jonah. He's sleeping, and uh, the, the, the captains of the ship and the sailors, they are busy praying each to his own God. So the very people that sometimes we think uh, are not believers, actually the ones who are taking you know, this prayer seriously, and I mean, aside the fact that they were praying to the wrong gods or everything, but I mean, there was that dedication in them knowing that there is a higher power that you need to rely on uh, in times of trouble. So these people are praying, and Jonah is busy what? He's busy sleeping. Um, and then verse 6, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call uh, on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that uh, we do not perish. And then verse 7, uh, then the sailors say to each other, come, let us cast lots. So they cast lots. Um, I don't know how that thing exactly worked, but I'm assuming you would throw some stones or something. I don't know, maybe some would have a better picture of uh, how that process went about. And then uh, the lots uh, fell on Jonah. So now then they ask him, you know, tell us who's responsible for this. I mean, since the lots fell on you, and I assume it was a very, it was kind of an accurate way of um, finding out something or finding out who's to blame in a situation or whatever context it was used in, really. Um, so they ask him a couple of questions, you know, what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? And uh, from what people are you? And then uh, he answered now, he answers now in verse 9, and he says, you know, I'm a Hebrew and I worship uh, the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the, dry, um, and the dry land. So now, something very interesting from that response. Now, these people are stuck in a sea. There's a wind, uh, whatever. And from his response now, he says, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So in other words, his response actually implied that he knew um, that he was, he was rather suggesting to them that I know the God who can take care of the situation. We are in the sea. He's the same God that created the sea that we are in. And for us to be in a better place, we need to what? To go to, this, uh, to, go to the dry land. And he's essentially suggesting that his God has what? Has the solution to the problem that they were currently facing. And um, I found that a very like, uh, interesting response. And then verse 10, then they terrified and they asked, what have you done uh, what have you done against God and, and all those questions? Because they had realized that he's, what, he's running away from the Lord. And then um, from, verse, uh, from verse 11, so yeah, uh, you know, the, 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 the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they, they, they asked him, I mean, so then what, 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 what do we do now? What do we need to do so that what, the sea may calm down on us? And then verse, uh, verse 12, I found a very interesting response there. He says, uh, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied and it will become calm. And then the second part now of the response is, I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So the, f the first part of the response, you know, pick me up and, and, throw, and, and throw me into the sea. Now, I'm not too sure if Jonah couldn't just throw himself into the sea or maybe he wanted other people to be blamed so that when he's now to answer before God, he used to say, no, those are the people who threw me into the sea or whatever really that he implied with that uh, with that response. But I also like, just like to suggest that there are some of us sometimes, you know, we, we tend to want other people to be blamed for our sins. You know, when you leave church, 
uh, and your excuse is that, you know, maybe a pastor or the elder, or maybe they don't like me in that church, or there's no warmth. I don't know what people, like, what warmth people are looking for in church, but of course, we want to be warm in church. But I'm just saying, like, um, like Jonah, maybe you also want other people to be blamed for our sins. You are doing the wrong thing, and you want other people to be what? To be blamed for your, for, 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 for your sins. And then, and this is not a problem that started, you know, uh, here, right from, uh, right from Genesis, you know, Adam and Eve. He says, you know, this woman that you gave me. So it's, it's been a, bla- a blaming game from, for a couple of uh, years now. And then the second part of his, his response now, he says, I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now, I like his boldness in admitting uh, that it is his fault and he puts it out there. So sometimes we should also be bold, you know, when, uh, when we do wrong things. You know, don't always just try and find excuses. No, it's because Usman Mang did this, did this. You know, just sometimes admit that it is you who, uh, who is in fault and, you know, life still goes on after that. So I like uh, Jonah's response and boldness in that he does not give an excuse for what is going on, but he admits, no, it is my fault, so that, they cannot, so that a solution can be found uh, to this problem. So now, uh, verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So once again, our Lord, he's patient, and instead of just letting Jonah die in that, uh, in that sea, he sends a fish to pick him up, to go and finish what? The work. And one lesson uh, that we can take from there is that no matter what, we, there's nothing that we can do that can stop God's mission from going on. So there's nothing that we can ever do, no running away that we can ever do that will stop God's work from what? From going on. So the Lord, once again, he provided. And um, even when we are wrong, he still provides and he still, um, his mission still, what? still goes on. And he always gives us the, what? the second chance. Uh, but I would like to imagine if God was a human being and here is Jonah now, you sent Jonah and he's busy now on, a, on another trip somewhere else. I don't know what, in, uh, what uh, would have happened in that case, but fortunately enough, we're dealing with God here. God is so patient and he's so kind and he still wants his mission to, what, to continue. And uh, he was in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the belly of the sheep for three days and three nights. Now, I tried to imagine, like, what exactly was going on in there for, like, an entire three days. I mean, just one day is quite a long day. So what, is, what really was going on uh, all those three days? And I would like to believe that in those three days, you know, Jonah was admiring the creation inside this big fish, and he's seeing how much uh, an amazing God he is. He sees all those things inside the fish, and he's just like, no, man, let me just continue with this work. I would like to believe that was, that's what was going on uh, uh, this, uh, those entire three days in the belly of the fish and just basically admiring, uh, admiring God's creation. And, you know, God always sometimes talks to us through, through his creation, you know, right from uh, the Old Testament, Abraham, he shows him, um, he shows him the, the sky and he says, you know, all those stars, you know, your, your descendants are going to be as much as, uh, as much as the stars and the sand of the sea and all that. And he somehow has had a connection and a way of communicating to us through nature, and I would like to believe this is what was going on uh, this entire three days in the belly of the fish. And um, so he basically got, eventually got free transport. Okay, uh, obviously he had paid, but he eventually got free transport to, to go and do the actual work uh, that he was supposed to do. And um, so now a, a story is told of, uh, of a man 
um, he had been found, or rather he had been innocently accused of uh, committing a crime. And according to the laws of that land, uh, the punishment for the crime that he had committed was death. So they put him into the prison so that he can await what? His uh, death and, and all that. So um, days go on and on. And then one day, one man comes up to the king since the king is the one who made those kind of decisions as to uh, who eventually goes there and who doesn't. So one man comes to the king and explains what actually happened and all that. And then he eventually found that what this man was actually not supposed to be, uh, to be found uh, guilty of anything because he was actually innocent in the whole case. So now the letter sends a letter. Uh, he gives a letter to one of his servants to, what, to take uh, so that this man may be released. Um, so this man, he, he's dragging his feet, really. And um, the day then arrives when, uh, the, um, when the man who was found innocently, uh, the man who was innocently accused, rather, is supposed to die. Um, five hours into the whole process, the letter still hasn't arrived. Two hours, three hours, I mean three hours, two hours, one hour, 30 minutes, and the man with the letter of pardon still hadn't arrived. And unfortunately, unlike uh, in a movie, this man, he died. Um, the man delayed and eventually an innocent man was, uh, was said to die. So I'd like to believe this servant with the letter of pardon it's just like Ujona, and just like most of us, we've been sent with a letter of pardon. God is about to destroy his city, and he has sent us with his word and with the gospel to go and what? To go and preach. And But what are we doing? We're dragging off it. We're delaying. We're delaying. Up until there's not going to be time to do that anymore. And an innocent man may have to die. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Or maybe the laborers are there, but like Jonah, they're trying to run away from the presence of the Lord. What is standing in the way of us just arising and going to do God's work? Let us turn our Bibles to um, Hebrews chapter, um, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Um, I'll read in your hearing. Um, verse, um, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. So, I believe just like Jonah, we're all in a, in a race that we're running, and sometimes we get tired and we feel like avoiding uh, God's work and we feel like running away from the presence of the Lord but 
here's a bit of motivation in our, in our races that we should what? We should run with patience. You know, seeing, therefore, since we're so, uh, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Now, I'd like to suggest this morning, um, and also just reading from how the verse is structured, uh, it says, let us lay aside every weight. And then it puts a comma. So I think in school they taught us that a comma it separates ideas or something like that. And then after that comma there is and sin which uh, clings so closely. So I like to believe it suggests that there are certain things that are not necessarily sin, that are not necessarily wrong, but they're just weighing us down from this race that we're on. And there are certain things that are not bad, but they're just what? They're just dragging us down. And sin which what clings so closely. Um, I think the King James Version says, which doth easily beset us. And according to, 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 to translation, um, I think in the Hebrew or something like that, it means just easily surrounds you. So I mean, sin doesn't really need to put much effort. You know, it just easily surrounds you and, and you're gone. So let us uh, run this race with what? With patience that is said before us. But then how do we run this race? Looking unto who? Unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Not looking unto maybe our fellow churchmates or maybe our pastor or maybe, I don't know, some other standard that is not Christ. So as we are running uh, this race and as we are completing the work of the, of the gospel, just like Jonah, let us run with patience. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, and then just back again to the first part, you know, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So I would like to believe in my mind and I would like to believe as well that, you know, Christ, besides interceding for us, interceding for our sins, he's also there cheering for us. You know, I don't know those who've uh, done sports back in school or um, athletics or, or whatever, really, where, you know, people are cheering you up and they are, you know, they're giving you that, that motivation to keep going and going. I like to believe Christ, you know, is busy cheering for us and he's just like, you know, Sandile, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. So let us run this race with patience. So just like Ujona, we've been sent with a letter of pardon to this great city of Nineveh, so this great city of our area. What are we doing with that letter? Are we going or are we running away from the presence of the Lord? The word of the Lord is simple this morning. Arise and go. May God bless the reading of his word this morning.